Hello and thanks for joining us for another episode of Nice Talks. Today we'll be looking at skin cancer. How do we prevent it? How do we recognise the symptoms and how is it treated? Sunshine helps us get that much needed vitamin D. It's also shown to improve mood and certain skin conditions such as psoriasis. Too much exposure, however, can cause sunburn and even certain skin conditions. Looking at our melanoma, sunlight exposure and skin cancer prevention guidelines. I first spoke to Dr. Juba Hafiji, a consultant dermatologist and spokesperson for the British Skin Foundation. Juba, what is skin cancer and how does it develop? So skin cancer is one of the commonest cancers in the world, actually. And it's a very, very common problem in people of all age groups, all ethnicities, uh, and it's on the increase. And over the last 40 years, there has been an exponential rise in the rates of skin cancers. And there's a number of reasons for this, really. People are more aware. We're diagnosing a lot more. People are traveling a lot more. and Therefore, people are getting a lot more sun exposure. Coupled with the fact that we've got an aging population, I think these are some of the reasons why we're seeing a lot more skin cancer. Now, the skin is the biggest organ in the body. And in simple terms, it's got two layers. The outermost layer is called the epidermis and the layer underneath is called the dermis. Because of the exposure to the sun, majority of the skin cancers develop from the outermost layer of the skin, the epidermis. Of those, we have non-melanoma skin cancers and melanoma. And most people have heard about melanoma because melanoma, sadly, is one of the more deadliest forms of skin cancer, which can spread. And they tend to develop from the melanocytes. These are the cells within the skin that produce pigment within the skin. And that's why melanocytes, if they divide and multiply, can develop a healthy mole. But also, if that melanocyte multiplies and the growth becomes unregulated and abnormal, that gives rise to the development of melanoma. But one of the main reasons why people get skin cancers is sun damage. Cancer Research UK say that 80% of skin cancer cases are preventable. What precautions can we take to avoid damaging our skin? Very good question. The majority of skin cancer is certainly preventable. And it's the simple things that people need to do. Limit the amount of sun exposure that you, you have, particularly when the ultraviolet rays from the sun are the strongest, from 10 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Wear sunscreen liberally. Wear a wide brim hat. But when it comes to sunscreen, a lot of people tend to get out on the beach or go outside and then put the sunscreen on. But in fact, you need to put the sunscreen on at least half an hour before you go out into the sun for two reasons, really. The sunscreen has to bind with the skin. But also, once you're out in the beach and you're sweaty, and then the sunscreen may not protect you as much as you would like. You've got to put the sunscreen on every two hours because people sweat. People are in and out of water. Wearing protective clothing and, of course, not to forget wearing sunglasses with UV filters because that's, you know, melanomas can occur within the eye. There is a common misconception amongst the general public that dark skinned individuals don't need to protect their skin and they don't get skin cancer. That is incorrect. It is fair to say that darker skinned individuals, because they have more melanin within the skin, affords them a certain degree of protection from the ultraviolet light, but it's not complete immunity. So people with darker complexion still need to implement adequate sun protection measures because skin cancers do affect darker skin individuals. And when it does, it tends to be more severe. And I think one of the reasons for that is that because people generally don't think that they're susceptible to skin cancer, they don't think about it. And often individuals will present to their GP or to the specialist later because they won't even hit the radar that they might have a skin cancer. 
and by that stage it may be too late for that individual so the same rules apply In the UK alone, there were 15,906 new cases of melanoma in 2015, with an expected increase of 7% by 2035. I was a person that I had very fair skin um, and I was absolutely covered in moles. So um, I had them absolutely everywhere. But one thing that people should be aware of is any changes. The voice you heard there was Richard Jackson. Richard was successfully treated for malignant melanoma back in 2006 and worked with us on our melanoma guideline, providing advice and valued experience as a patient member. Richard, can you tell us about your experience? When did you first notice symptoms and what urged you to visit the doctor? I was first diagnosed with malignant melanoma back in 2003. I had a mole on my side that um, was different to all the other moles that I've got. It was far bigger and far higher off the surface of the skin. Um, I play a lot of sport and I play tennis and knock the top off it uh, and it bled and you think, oh, well, after a day or so it'll stop. But it didn't. It didn't stop bleeding and it was obviously ulcerated. Um, and that's when I went into, um, well, I went into the plastic surgery team at my local hospital and they decided that it was um, needed testing and needed removing. And how did you become involved with NICE? Um, I first became involved with NICE once I'd finished my treatment. Obviously, I was one of the first people to have an immunotherapy treatment and to be treated successfully for melanoma. I was uh, invited to do a single technology appraisal for the um, technology that I'd had that treated my melanoma and treated it successfully. Um, So, obviously, I was recommended to be a part of the committee for the technology appraisal. Um, and submitted as much information as I could uh, and then thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the actual appraisal, the actual meeting. When the chairperson actually started the meeting, I was the first person that she spoke to that she wanted to address, that she wanted to talk about the effect that melanoma had on patients uh, and the fact that there was very little treatment available at the time and the fact that this new novel treatment that had come up uh, and could be successful, you know, what would be the benefits for all melanoma patients. What advice would you have to anyone who might be going through the same experience you did? Um, Obviously, one of the things that um, everybody needs to be aware of is changes in the moles that they've got on their body. I mean, I was a person that I had very fair skin um, and I was absolutely covered in moles. So um, I had them absolutely everywhere. But one thing that people should be aware of is any changes. And it's not easy to do yourself because obviously not all of them are accessible. So you need to you know, have somebody at home that you can rely on a family member to look at the ones that are on your back. And the minute you, that you notice any changes, you shouldn't put it off. You should react immediately, get into your GP and have a chat about them. And if you're concerned, then your GP will follow up your concerns and hopefully get you to see maybe a dermatologist or maybe an oncologist to have a, you know, a closer look at them. Because um, changes in moles, you know, those are the first signs um, that uh, is possible melanoma. Next, I spoke to Professor Juliet Newton-Bishop, who is clinical lead for the guideline on melanoma. Julia is a clinician scientist who leads the melanoma research group at the University of Leeds. Julia, how is melanoma diagnosed and treated? Melanomas grow from cells in the skin and so they look like a mole or um, sometimes can be pinker in appearance. So they are diagnosed um, by looking at the skin, uh, essentially. Um, the dermatologist or the plastic surgeon looking at the patient's uh, lesion has a very, very good idea whether this is a melanoma or, or not. The 
lesion is removed um, by um, either dermatologist or plastic surgeon and the pathologist looks at the tissue removed down the microscope and um, confirms or otherwise the diagnosis of melanoma. And what makes someone susceptible to melanoma? Is it environmental or genetic? Well, in some ways you could say that it's a very genetic disease because most forms of melanoma occur pretty much in people with pale skin. You do see melanomas in unusual sites, such as on the sole of the foot, um, in all ethnic groups. Uh, they're rare, but they're in all ethnic groups at about the same um, frequency. But the common form of melanoma is very much something that you see in people with pale skin. And that tells you a lot about what causes it. And the second thing um, that tells you something about what causes it is that since the 1920s, the uh, cancer, this form of cancer has become hugely more common. And in that period, pale skinned people have um, been lucky enough to travel more for hot sunny holidays. And so these observations that it's essentially pale skinned people who get it. And so because skin colour is genetic, uh, then to some extent, then, uh, as I said, it's a very genetic disease. And even within pale skinned people, genes play a role. So the the exposure, the thing to do with lifestyle that causes melanoma is in fact some exposure sufficient to cause us some burn. Interestingly, it's not outdoor workers who get melanoma, it's people who get some burnt. And tendency to burn or otherwise is um, also genetic and people, for example, with red hair and freckles, they have skin which is unusually susceptible to sunburn. People can recognise if they're at risk, if their skin is very pale, if they have freckles, if they've got red hair, even if they've got just a, a red moustache, a hint of red in, in the hair, if simply they, they know they burn quite easily in the sun. So those people are at increased risk of melanoma and people with lots of moles are at increased risk of melanoma. Those are the two things that you can see when you examine your own skin that give you the best idea about uh, whether you are particularly liable to melanoma. And the other thing, of course, is whether you have a family history. Um, so, so, as I said, a very genetic disease, but the people who are at risk get melanoma if they then uh, sunbathe or if they get caught by the sun, even if they weren't sunbathing. What does the future of melanoma treatment look like? Well, uh, the, the best thing to do is always prevention, of course, for many illnesses. And we do know a way of preventing it, and that is essentially to avoid sunburn. And I wish that we could do that more effectively. So long as suntans remain popular, it's quite difficult to change people's behaviour. But I do think it's possible to get there, and I do think there is, there is some progress on that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is making people more aware of what melanomas look like and encouraging people to be more proactive. 
then I think sometimes in the United Kingdom, perhaps we're not as a patient group terribly proactive. We we tend to be a bit passive. I think many of us think that health happens to us because of of good luck or because of your doctor, whereas actually, of course, it's enormously in our own hands. It's not completely in our own hands, but it's it's related to how we live and exercise and healthy diet and not getting sunburnt, etc., etc. So I think empowerment is hugely important. Skin colour is a continuous phenomenon. One's relationship with the sun is very variable, so that if you have darker skin, and you live in Britain, then actually you're, you're more likely to become short of vitamin D and be ill because of that than getting skin cancer. So we really have to understand our own skin type and behave accordingly. And, and that's very difficult. So what we say is avoid sunburn, don't become vitamin D depleted. And I think that's really important. And uh, the advice that we all, whatever our skin colour and type, need to give heed to vitamin D levels is very good advice. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nice Talks. We hope you find this information useful and remember, speak to your GP if you have any concerns about your skin health. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram with the handle at NiceComs. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.